0: I am not ashamed of the gospel.
1: I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. For it is the power of God for salvation.
2: For it is the power of God for salvation.
1: To To everyone everyone.
0: who believes. Romans 1.16 Hey everybody! Welcome to the second episode of Getting the Gospel Out podcast. Today we are focusing on the question: What must I share in order to share the gospel? In other words, what are the fundamental things that, if we don't share them, we've not shared the gospel? I am your host, Pastor Dan Jackson, from Jacobswell Church in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, to consider this question with me today, we have back two local pastors, I told both of them when, when I hear people are going to their church, I get so excited because I know that people are hearing the Bible and they're hearing the gospel. My bearded brother, who didn't button his top button today, but normally does, uh, Pastor Jake Spielbauer of LifeBridge Church, and my unbearded brother today, Pastor Chad Hertler from Highland Crest Baptist Church. Just a quick question for you guys. Tell us a little bit about how you came to know Jesus.
2: When I was in about fourth or fifth grade, my parents were invited to attend a, a non-denominational evangelical church here in the Green Bay area. And so as a, a fifth grader in kids' church, I heard for the first time a full explanation of what sin was and the consequence that uh, sin, sin had um, in my relationship with God. And for the first time, I was, I was explained in really, I, I think, words that I could understand as a child what Jesus had accomplished for me, that through Jesus, I could have a relationship with God. And that was totally mind-blowing to me. And and as a, a young, young child in kids' church, uh, I gave my life to the Lord. And I was blessed and fortunate then to grow up in a church uh, that, hey, it wasn't perfect. None of our churches are. But I heard the gospel. And my family heard the gospel, and my family's lives were radically changed. Um, I'm grateful for that. Continuing on through my youth group years, I think I, in many ways, fell into some of the traps that maybe kids who grow up in a in a, a regular church attending family can grow into, which is that my my faith became more religious habit than than maybe an authentic relationship w- with God. And so uh, I kind of played the game of as long as I don't drink, don't have sex, don't have, don't do drugs that, Hey, me and me and God are cool. And after I went off to college, uh, I found uh, out that other people were doing those things and you know, it, it looked a lot more fun than what I was doing. And so, uh, for a few years, I kind of explored some, some other options with how to live my life. And in the midst of that reached a, a pretty low point of depression and anxiety. Uh, I found myself struggling. Uh, even though there were really nothing wrong with my life, I found just a deep sense of discontent. Um, and in the midst of that, God, he reached out to me and, and grabbed me. The verse that I remember the Lord putting on my mind clear as day at the time was, when I was a boy, I talked like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. That was the beginning of my journey back to just say, God, I don't know how it looks, but I'm ready to do it your way. Mm-hmm. And through the process of Joining a gospel-centered church uh, in Milwaukee while I was uh, away at college, I was discipled in a small group. I didn't know I was being discipled until afterward, (laughs) but there were men who came alongside me and invested in me. And, uh, and who challenged me. And for the first time, I saw a radical community of people dedicated to not only talking about Jesus, but I saw people living it out. And, and I saw that there was a difference between what they were experiencing and what I had experienced in my own relationship with Christ. And so uh, that was a powerful force in my life that drew me back. And, and through that process, I, I think really gave my heart to the Lord fully. And by His grace, I've been blessed to be with Him. So. Cool.
1: Well, I didn't. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. My folks divorced when I was two, and when I was around eight or nine, my my father, who who had experienced some some brokenness in his life, was dating a girl, and she was not a Christian, and she lived in a trailer park. And if I remember the story right, a Christian was going door to door. Uh, and knocked on her door and and shared the gospel with her. And she became a Christian. She then shared the gospel with my father, and he became a Christian. Mm. Uh, And and I think that's a, uh, you know, I think my father would say, if I could do those early years over, I would, but God has still used that brokenness. And so when he became a follower, uh, he would share the gospel with us, uh, my older brother and I. And now we didn't live in the same town. We were a couple of hours away and we would see him uh, on occasion, whether it was holidays or some occasional weekends. And he was really faithful, persistent to, to plant that gospel mm-hmm. seed in our lives. And like any people pleaser, good, good people pleasing son as I was, I, I know there were times where I'd say, yes, I, I, I want to receive this Jesus, but there was never any lasting fruit in my life. And then uh, speeding ahead to my college years, I was, uh, I was at college, and all of my friends that I went to high school with were at that same college, and many of them were, were going down that path you just mentioned, Jake. They were, they were drinking, and they were with women, and it was as if those seeds that had been planted in my life were now bringing me to a point where God was saying, you're going to need to choose. Are you going to, are you going to follow them, or are you going to trust me? And so I had one of those searching prayers in my dorm room, where I'm like, God, if you are real, <laughs> then I I will I am genuinely willing to seek you. And it wasn't long after that, and there was a guy in my World War II class. He at the end of class, he he turned to me and says, "Here, I'd like you to read this." And it was a gospel track, and he invited me to a Bible study. And it was through that process where where God saved me. Mm. Uh, And then I I went to a a small little church comprised largely of men, women, 70, 80 years old. I was just right off of campus and uh, hardly any in my peer group. But God used that, some really sound preaching, a great example and a pastor. And then actually when I moved to Green Bay and got involved at Highland Crest, and I experienced some brokenness. That's where I got involved in that local church. And that's where I really was discipled.
0: Mm. That's cool. The church that you now pastor. Yeah, that's right. How wonderful is yeah, that? Yeah, that's right. That's beautiful. Um, for me, I grew up in a family that went to church regularly, weekly, but never read the Bible. We just checked the box, went to church. I hated going to church. I mean, I so much would rather just be outside playing football or running around or brushing my teeth. I mean, <laughs> I'd rather do those things than be in church, but I was there because you thought this is what makes me right with God. And uh, my family tells me to do it. And I thank God that my parents did make me go to church. Um, Our parents need to make us do good things, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, did that and then got involved in a ministry of young life uh, because of a cute girl. And uh, God uses cute girls to (laughs) to draw boys to himself. And so, um, started going to Young Life where I probably heard the gospel message, I don't know, maybe a dozen times. I, I don't even know because I really didn't have ears to hear at the time. And then after my senior year of high school, we went to a camp up in Minnesota. And over the course of the week, they shared the good news of the gospel. And, and on the last night, they had this opportunity to say so, like if you committed your life to Christ or rededicate your life to Christ or whatever, you can say so. And they were great about it. They were not They were saying, no pressure. We're not forcing you to do this, just giving you the opportunity. And so they passed the microphone around and people shared about how this week they gave their life to Jesus or rededicated their life to Jesus. And they were crying. I'm like, why are you crying? Like, you just signed up for religion and it's not that great. It's pretty boring, right? And so they got done and everyone's hugging, crying, all that stuff, which I didn't quite understand. And then the MC up front said, wait, we have one more in the back. And this elderly man stood up on a cane. He was there as an adult guest to see if they could support the camp. And he said, this week I gave my life to Jesus. Mm. And that really sent me reeling saying, okay, if this guy at his elderly age doesn't have it all figured out, maybe I don't either. So we got on the bus and uh, we were driving back to St. Louis where I was from and I asked my young life leader if I could borrow his Bible. He said, here's one that you can have. And it's a New Testament one. And uh, I was reading. I was the only one awake on the bus that I know of. My little spotlight was on. Everyone else was sleeping and just reading God's word. The Holy Spirit came upon me and I was a new creation and born again. And So I got on the bus and I wasn't a Christian. I got off the bus and I was and just had the joy of the gospel in my heart. Um, Went off to college and really didn't know what it meant to live like a Christian and just God's wisdom in that in my Uh, Between my freshman year and sophomore year, people saw the transformation in my language and my use of alcohol and how I treated women. And they got to see that and see that there was a joy that I had um, that wasn't fostered by these self-destructive habits. So it's amazing. It's amazing how God saves us. I I love how all the stories, it's like snowflakes, they're all the same and they're all different Mm -hmm. at the same time, which is really cool. So. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, before we get to the question, which is what must we share in order to share the gospel, let me ask you this: What do you think are maybe some important things, very, very important things, that maybe Christians want to share, that aren't necessary to share when you're first sharing the gospel with other people? Maybe what are some things that they want to to debate about, and it's like, okay, this might actually be distracting from the gospel message that we need to talk about. That that are important things, like very important things. But
1: well, I think political issues <laughs> that are, yeah. that have spilled over into moral issues. <laughs>
0: oh right? man!
1: And so, whether that's uh, pick a list, it, it could be from a presidency to definition of marriage and, and sexuality, and all of those sort of things, where the Bible does have some the speak towards those issues, we we could easily get distracted and going down those areas. But those are not the gospel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I didn't even have that on my list. And I just laugh because, boy, there are so many people, uh, I think, in the church that are more passionate about politics than they are about the gospel. And it it's bothersome. -hmm. To be honest, so politics are important, right? Mm -hmm. They absolutely are. Jake, you got anything else that you can think of that maybe people will get caught up in? You can get caught up in yourself. It's important for us to be able to
2: share our testimony and being able to articulate and share the story of how we came to Christ. But fundamentally, sharing the gospel is not sharing about you, Mm -hmm. it's sharing about Christ. And when we put ourselves at the center of God's story, that's not the power of salvation for those who believe, right? It's Jesus's story. He's at the center. He's the power of salvation for all who believe. And so I think there's, a, there's a, a difference of focus and motivation that Christians have to do a heart check that when I share my testimony as part of maybe a conversation about the gospel, it's important to make sure that I don't take center stage. Right? My testimony isn't the story of how I saved myself. My testimony is a story about how Jesus Christ looked upon me when I was dead in sin and transgressions and my heart was not searching for him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he softened me to his advances and his invitations. And apart from his redeeming
0: work, I wouldn't be saved. Right. And I think that that's that's essential. Amen. Another one that I think, especially in today's age, is just sexuality. Talking about, you know, homosexuality and LGBTQ issues, as well as gender issues. Um, I actually had a man that I was meeting with who was in a homosexual relationship for for decades, for decades and quote unquote married to this other person. Right. And I remember in one time him saying to me, you know, Pastor Dan, I hope you're not trying to change me. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I hope you're not trying to make me straight. And I said, man, I'm just trying to lead you to Jesus and i could say that with authenticity because if anyone was going to change his convictions on sexuality it isn't going to be me it's yeah. going to be jesus it's going to be the holy spirit the the primacy of the gospel in the conversations is is really important any other topics that you think people might get tangential on with it
2: yeah i think both of those nestle under the the kind of the umbrella of a christian worldview right And so articulating features of a Christian worldview are not necessary, you know, at the point when someone has not come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that extends even as far as, you know, issues of Christian living. So trying to
0: change a person's behaviors, like you mentioned, before someone's come to saving faith. All right. We'll move to the main question, which is, what must I share in order to share the gospel?
1: I think there has been a, a movement within the local churches to get real clarity on what the gospel is. I think there's been a lot of confusion of that. And so I'm grateful to to live and to, to lead at this time because I've benefited from that clarity, I think, too. And one of the resources that's been helpful to me is a little black book by Greg Gilbert called What is the Gospel? And when I was helping with the students, this is something we've gone through on more than one occasion. And what I appreciate about it is it it summarizes the gospel in the four words. God, man, Jesus, and response. So when it starts with God, whatever gospel presentation we use, I think to, to begin there and to say something to the effect of there is a God and God created and to offer some of his attributes, most notably his holiness, but we could also speak about his love and his his justice as well i like to begin with god because i think everything begins with god and and just to start on that foundation and then to work in some way in that presentation to speak about man and his sinfulness and him not living up to the holy standard that god has set and then to to move from there to the, I think the gospel presentation has to include Jesus and and what he has done on the cross for us to be able to speak about Jesus being fully god fully man that he is not sinful he has obeyed god fully and to describe the significance of the cross and I really think the word substitute is really helpful in the gospel to be able to say we deserved the cross but he is our substitute he took our place for that and then the, the final word is a response to be able to to say this is this is good news yes but how do how does that apply to my life or how do i apply it to my life and it is through faith by trusting in this putting our faith in what jesus did on the cross for us and then it's repentance it's by turning From our sinful ways and with God's help through the Holy Spirit to then live a life of obedience. Mm -hmm. So God, man, Jesus, response. When I think of sharing the gospel, I think of those four. And that's been helpful for me.
2: It's good. The features of the story are really what God has done and what I must therefore do. Uh, The gospel story is that God has acted through Jesus Christ to save the world and to offer forgiveness to, to sinful man so that they may inherit eternal life. The question that flows from that then is, what therefore must I do? There's a response required of me in response to God's action through Christ, and that's that I turn my affection from myself, that I turn from sinful living and self-centered living uh, and turn my affections to God and place, place faith and trust in Him. The gospel is the story of Jesus' God sent him as an atoning sacrifice for sins, how he rose in victory over death, and then how he ascended, and all things were placed under his kingship. And so then the, the summons of the gospel is to place my life under his kingship, mm-hmm. and to move off the throne of authority in my life and to place him there. I think the specific features of the gospel that we have to emphasize, and especially in our day, because I think most people would agree with you about God. Mm-hmm. It, it generally, in our culture, most people would not disagree. Yes, there is a God. Mm. Most people wouldn't disagree that he's loving, Mm. right? Where we start to get into the thick of it and where the dividing line seems to happen in, let's be real, this is even happening in the church. And more and more, I find this to be the fundamental difference between gospel churches and churches that I wouldn't describe that way is what do we say about our problem? What's wrong with mankind? Mm. What's wrong with humanity? Well, the gospel says we're sinful, and increasingly, that's a controversial thing to say, even within Christian circles. The gospel is first that we are worse than we can imagine. The good news is that God is better than we imagined. So I think uh, specifically that's that's a feature that has to be included in our, in our gospel presentation is you know what is the problem and how do we define it and that's that we are unable to to save ourselves because we're fundamentally sinful. And then the other feature that i describe as essential is the exclusivity of Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? That there's not several solutions. There's not a a buffet of options to deal with the problem, that the things that make humanity sick can only be treated through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think those are really the two flashpoints in in our day and age. Jesus is the exclusive hope that we
0: have. He's the hope of the world, and, and exclusively so. I just want to talk about that exclusivity a little bit because it is, I mean, living in a postmodern culture, it's whatever's true for you is true for you. Whatever is true for me is true for me, right, which is, in fact, a ultimate truth statement, but it negates itself. But Christianity is fundamentally different that in every other religion, it's a mixture of faith and works that Mm -hmm. were saved, Mm -hmm. But in Christianity, it's faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, not by works. And that's how it's unique to every other religion. In every other religion, we have to ascend to God. In Christianity, God descended to us. Every other religion has a teacher, a prophet, a philosopher, uh, but Christianity has a savior. And that's what makes it far different than every other religion. And so intellectually, you can't even say they're the same. You can deny Christianity, but you can't say it's the same as every other religion because fundamentally it's different. Can you share the gospel without talking about sin? The reason why I ask the question is because I know pastors who will say, I don't share sin from the pulpit because I don't want to scare people away.
1: I think sin has to be a part of the gospel. The good news isn't good news unless we know the bad news when a person goes to the doctor and he gets this bad diagnosis that he's it's fatal, then he is eager to hear the solution that will lead the life. Right. And so I think that word picture helps. And I, I think the gospel, a, as you are articulated clearly, Jake, is uh, is really about understanding who we are at our core is is sinful. Now, how deep do we go into that? Um, I guess that depends on the situation, but I do think that that is necessary for us to address that for the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You cannot faithfully share the gospel without talking about sin. I think any presentation of the gospel has to include that Jesus Christ was sent by God to give his life as a substitute to pay for the sins of humanity. That may need some unpacking for people, Mm -hmm. right? About what sin is, Mm -hmm. because I don't think that that's a word that most people hear and necessarily understand right away. I think we can sometimes fall into the danger of dwelling on the bad news. My mission in sharing the gospel isn't to convince
0: someone they're sinful. The Holy Spirit has to do that. You know, I would just say we don't like to talk about sin, but we do need to talk about sin. Even with the woman at the well, when Jesus says, I have this living water to give to you. She's like, all right, can I have it? He's like, okay, go call your husband. And she's like, oh, I don't have a husband. Uh, well, right. The guy you live with's not your husband. And the five, you know, you've been married however many times. And Jesus pauses to point out her sin because he's pointing out her need for the gospel. And people know they're sinners. They know they're guilty. And to ignore it doesn't allow them to really see the beauty of the gospel. Uh, I would say this though too is that it's been said that the gospel should discomfort the comfortable and comfort the discomforted. Mm. So when you get to the topic of sin, some people you will need to stay there for a while because they will not know their need for a savior. Other people It's like one sentence because because they already feel like they're horrible and that they that they don't deserve Jesus. And so I would I would say, you know, how much you talk about sin is is really dependent on where the person is at. If they're humble, if they, they know that they're a sinner, I don't think you have to spend a lot of time there. You can get to the good news quicker. But if someone's pretty sure of their own righteousness, I feel like you have to hover in that area longer. Scripture says God opposes the proud gives grace to the humble mm-hmm. humble.
2: I think one of the things we have to recognize in the ministry of Jesus is when Jesus is speaking to Pharisees, he's sharp and forceful and his words are devastating. Right. Um, but when he's speaking to those who are heavy laden and burdened by their own sin and by an awareness of their own spiritual poverty, he is grace filled and comforting and uplifting and, That doesn't mean we change the message, but certainly there's a sense in which Christians are responsible for being attentive to the needs of of their audience.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess I'd say there's some things that we need to cover. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation, the the four parts of the story of the Bible. So creation is God, who is God. The fall, who are we? We're we're sinners by birth. Mm -hmm. Redemption, which is uh, Christ dying on the cross for our sins as a substitute for us, but also with that, I would say we have to mention the resurrection. Mm -hmm. We had an application for Director of Counseling and Care here at Jakeswell Church, and and we did ask them what is the gospel, and we probably had, I don't know, 25 or 30 applicants, and and it was heartbreaking how few mentioned the resurrection. Mm But 1 Corinthians 15 says, if the resurrection is not true, we're in a whole lot of trouble, right? Mm -hmm. If Jesus is still in the grave, our faith is futile. And so the resurrection is something that needs to be a part of the gospel presentation. But then also consummation, that that there is a heaven coming, a new heavens and a new earth, because that is part of the the major narrative. Now, I will say this, that as we share the gospel, I mean, for me, and I I think this is a way of doing it with gentleness and respect, a lot of it's driven through questions, Mm -hmm. It's saying, what What do you believe about God? Do you think he exists? Do you think he's good? Mm-hmm. And after having some good dialogue and kind of seeing where that it helps towards the next step, which is focusing on man. You know, the evangelism explosion question is really good. If you stood before God and He said, why should I let you into heaven? Mm-hmm. What would you say? They say, oh, I'm a good person. Right. I, I ask people a lot of times, you know, do you consider yourself a Christian? And they'll say yes. But I'll say, what what makes you a Christian or what makes someone a Christian if their answer is no? And it's interesting to hear if they go to their good works or if they go to God's good work on the cross through Christ. How do you feel about doing a sinner's prayer with someone if they say, I'm ready to trust in Jesus?
2: Yeah, I think every journey with Jesus starts the step. Yeah, we kind of go on swings in the church, right? And so, when I was growing up, uh, every Sunday was you know the sinners' prayer was offered, and and now in our day, that's doesn't seem like it's cool to do anymore. But I would say this: uh, I I don't know where else would be a better place to start than praying. When we think about mm-hmm. what discipleship is, because Jesus said to make disciples, so why do we do evangelism? You know, returning to the question we asked last time, it's because Jesus told us to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And we make disciples by speaking the gospel and inviting people then to take a step in becoming disciples. And well, what should the first step be? It should probably be an admission of uh, our need for a Savior and uh, for God to save. Um, so in my mind, I think that's an incredibly appropriate first step in the encounters I've had in which someone has expressed a willingness to to take that first step in a journey with Christ. That has often been the first step has been to pray together and then to talk about next steps. And I think it's important for us to remember and keep in mind, and probably for those listening, that people aren't going to take all the steps right away. People aren't going to become fully functioning, mature Christians on day one. What they need is to turn, which uh, Chad, you talked about, that repentance is turning and to start taking steps towards Christ and towards mature disciple of Jesus. And so I think that's a great first step as long as it's, Accompanied, of course, by repentance, uh, which should be a feature of that prayer, in, in my opinion, discussion of uh, baptism.
1: Yeah, I think as we are sharing the gospel, we ought to be praying too, we're praying as we're sharing it and praying for discernment. God, how would you have me to proceed here? And I think there are times where someone may have just politely listened to the gospel and we thank them for that. And we say, I appreciate you letting me share this news with you. Would you give it some thought? And and they may say, hey, I, I've never heard it put that way. Thank you. And I'm going to give it some thought. There are other times, I think, where we can read that this person God is really working with. And the timing just seems to be right. and And I think maybe I get it from Ray Comfort himself where he would say, is there anything that would prevent you from right now placing your faith in Christ? I think that's a legitimate question and, and one that I've asked. And then if it, if it leads to a prayer there on the spot, then I'm not whipping out an index card with that prayer recited. It's, it's more about in the language of the gospel presentation that I just shared with you. Uh, why don't you try? Why don't you do your best to pray that back to God? That's cool and, I, and I'll help them with that and and I try not to do repeat after me and be when I mentioned about an index card is that could be that could be language that wasn't necessarily shared in the presentation so I sure. want it to be really tied in from their heart it what, sounds what like shared, yeah.
0: yeah yeah from their heart as well.
1: I, I tell you what I've also done is I've also included in that when a person is born again, when they become a Christian, they demonstrate that by fruit. And so what I would encourage you to do once you've given your, your life to Christ and you have repented and you placed your faith in Him, to be looking for changes in your life. There ought to be a desire to read the Bible. There ought to be a desire to, to be around Christians. And, and this is because the Spirit has entered your life and He is changing you. And so I want to urge you to look for that in your Absolutely. life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I I didn't mention this, but I do think in, in sharing the gospel message, there is at a point where you need to say, "So, what do you think about this?" Mm-hmm. And, and it can even be along the way. And mm-hmm. you talk about God, you talk mm-hmm. about sin. What do you think? You know, but ultimately at the end, saying, "You know what? What do you think about this good news of what God has done?" Mm-hmm. You know, is this something? Do you want to place your trust in Christ? And so having that call is important. Now, they'll only come if there's an effectual calling by the Holy Spirit, right? right? But we can be faithful to at least verbally call them to trust in Christ for their salvations. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Just to recap, what do we have to share in order to share the gospel? We need to share that God exists, that he's good, that he's holy. We need to share that we are sinners that are deserving of God's just wrath. We need to share the good news that God sent his son Jesus to come and to die on our behalf, to bear the penalty for our sin, which is death. And that Christ raised on the third day to give us newness of life. And he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. And we need to call people to repent and to trust in Christ for their salvation. Join us next time as we discuss how do we get to the gospel in a conversation. If you want more information about what we're doing, please go to www.gettingthegospelout.org. Again, our plan is to publish an episode the first and third Tuesday of every month. We are on Apple iTunes Podcasts as well as Google Play. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and give it a good rating if you like what we're doing. I also want to give you the gospel challenge again, that before our next podcast, two weeks from now, uh, that you would find someone whom God has put in your path to share the good news of Jesus with. Let's get the gospel out because the power is not in the messenger. It is in the message of the cross through the Holy Spirit. And those who receive it will have eternal life and heaven will rejoice.